there's a lot of grief involved with aging. Mm -hmm. Um, It's saying goodbye to your career at a certain point for retirement. Uh, It's, you know, obviously you lose your parents along the way. Then there could be loss of spouse or friends that start to die. Mm -hmm. There's your health. Like there's a lot of things that you actually have to process and deal with um, that nobody prepares you for. From Crossroads Media, this is See Here Love, the podcast with Melinda Estabrooks, season eight, episode number five. Hello, my name is Addison Espilla, producer on See Here Love. Season 8 is all about host Melinda gets to know you. On this episode, Melinda gets to know her colleague, Cheryl Weber, co-host of 100 Huntley Street. This is Melinda gets to know Cheryl. Well, hey, 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 welcome back to See Here Love and our special series called Melinda and her colleagues, which really just says what it is. <laughs> That's a super creative is name. That really cre- <laughs> Thanks, Cheryl. <laughs> and, and already you can tell that my guest is just going to bring me down to earth, keep it real, because I have the incredible, formidable Cheryl Weber, Cheryl Weber, <laughs> Cheryl Weber with me, journalist, director, producer, and on-air talent. And Cheryl's had the privilege of telling incredible stories of both need and life transformation from around the world for more than 20 years. Is it more than 20 years? Like, it's more. It's probably more now. Yeah. A lot I more should or less. My more. <laughs> <laughs> probably closer to 30, okay, but not so more. Okay, so 30 years. Uh, Cheryl's currently an on-air contributor and international producer for, many of you know, 100 Huntley Street, and serves on the board of Ratnack International, one of Canada's foremost NGOs, helping to restore women trafficked into the sex trade in Cambodia. Welcome, Cheryl. Thank you. So exciting. I didn't know that's what this was called. That it was Melinda and her colleagues. colleagues. Yeah. I just thought, and again, you know, I said to the team, you know, marketing, something really creative. And this is what we came up with Melinda and her colleagues. And her colleagues. Because what else could we say? Like, I mean, I was going to say Melinda and her colleagues byline the good, the bad, and the ugly. But then I thought, Ugly might not really Who's translate be ugly? exactly. So uh, then I was like, good, bad, ugly. Then what about I was... Melinda and her powerhouse colleagues? There we go. Actually, you know what? Maybe that could be what the challenge could be for our listeners and viewers. <gasps> Melinda and her blank colleagues fill it in. You get a prize. Yes, I love that. They see should you? come up with a creative name. I see a contest brewing. All here. right. See, this always happens when I get together with Cheryl. I know Cheryl. <laughs> we've known each other for how long? At least 20 years, I would think. At least 20. Like, we were just young, energetic. (laughs) Like, I feel I met you probably around 2000. I was producing for Lorna, I think, when I met you. Yeah, I was was wondering, I was going to say, how have we met? Because people think, like, it's so funny. People think it's so funny about working in somewhere like Crossroads where you have all these really amazing hosts. And people assume a lot of things. Either, like, your best friends You've known each other since childhood, or you, or you don't like each other, and there's competition. Like, we're there's a lot of, it. and we're faking it. There's a lot of like chatter about like really us because people just assume or just you know they see us on socials and go oh, but it's been 20 years. And did you did we meet through Lorna? Do I, I actually think we met through Denise Lottie? I think you you were working at World Vision and you knew her. Her and I were working together on Lorna's show, and we all went out one night. That's what I remember. Okay. 
Yeah. And okay. that's kind of how I first got to know you. Really? And that was before you even started hosting on Full Circle on Wenhar Huntley Street. Like, that it was, was so like I was, okay, around that was, mm, 2001, maybe. Okay, so that was in our... <laughs> that was, that was a number years. of years ago. That was our wild years. I can't you even, had short little hair. I did have short hair. Did I have, was it red at the time? Yeah, I think so. I think so. I was so. all about short hair and, like, color and trying to be all, like, And you really... were all about, like, the young people, the up-and-coming young people. That was your whole <laughs> no, vibe. The Gen Xers. Yes. Because we were. It was the Gen Xers. We didn't even have the word millennial even in they our... They weren't even born yet. It wasn't even born. So it was the Gen Xers. We were the next generation. Totally. We were going to change the world as Gen Xers. You were all about that. I totally was. I'm still a Gen Xer, by the way, just so you know. I know. We're not we that are far too. Apart. And I still am like, we're going to change the world. But now we've got the millennials and the Gen Zs, and they're going to change the world. And... So that was how long, okay. We're and then, ruining the world they're going to inherit, actually, <laughs> is the truth. <laughs> bum, bum, bum. And that's the end of our amazing conversation. <laughs> conversation. Thanks, Cheryl. Alyssa and her powerhouse colleagues. Yeah, I know. Can you, I'm like, okay. All right, well, now is the time where we're going to have a little gush fest. I'm going to talk about the stuff I love about you. I'm going to And you can find it in your heart to find some <laughs> find one little morsel of something about me that you I love made a Cheryl. List because there were so many things I was like I want to make sure I get okay. them all so let me start with you okay number one this is so you it's what you do but also I really it's you as well you really have a love and heart to serve the most marginalized and poor by sharing their stories with great compassion and kindness and I say this as something because there are lots of people that do that but you're really genuine like you actually do it from a deep and real place. This is not for accolades or because you have to do it or this is the best way to get likes or popularity. Like you do it because I believe that your your heart is is big and and soft with great compassion and kindness for the least of these. Mm. And it's always been even like twenty years ago, you always had this true. care and love and focus towards you know people. And then you are one of the most incredible journalists and interviewers that has a beautiful humility and compassion as you ask the questions. Mm -hmm. And I've seen that all throughout when you were on Full Circle, when we were doing that women's show back how many years? 10? <laughs> 2012, <laughs> we went daily, okay. I remember, but even before yeah, that. But like that, and then on 100 Huntley Street, you just have just such a love and heart. And that, I really believe that's the heart of God. And what's amazing is to combine that with storytelling so you can actually give people a voice like legitimately people mm -hmm. say that give them a voice whatever but you actually give them a voice I love that about you mm -hmm. the second thing is and it, it's more about people you always want and invite all people to the table you have no heirs you have a great love for all people and again that is and I say this because people say it but they don't all always mean it but I really believe it like you I've seen you where you are sitting with people that are not like you they're far different from you, and yet you can connect with them in a deep way. I always remembered where I saw this was with um, that biker guy, the big uh, guy. Um, Michael Bull Roberts. Yes. I remember that was the first time I really saw you connect to a person that was so not like you, had no similar background. There's nothing similar, but he trusted you, and you, you shared his story in a really beautiful way. And I just saw that about you. And and I've heard people talk and say, you know, Cheryl, it just has an openness where everybody's invited. Mm. And that's really beautiful. Thank you. The third thing is that this, I, and I love this as well. It, it's funny because you are 
if you want to say like in Canada, like a Christian celebrity, you are, you know, a host of a very well-known show, 100 Huntley Street. But I've never felt you wanted to be that your core was to be a celebrity and popular and it. Like I felt that you have trusted God to take you where he has wanted you to go. And it's been a long journey. You've been faithful. And because of that, you are where you are. But it was never, and again, I want to be careful because I know there are girlfriends of ours who hustle and we use that word hustle. But you were faithful and you worked hard and you had some really hard knocks and some things that put you back and hurt you and you remained faithful and steady and resilient. And you just trusted God in all of those places to where you're at. And now here you are and you're hosting and known and you're speaking internationally and speaking across Canada and you've got a book. Like there's so many things you have. And a lot of people be like, oh, well, you know, she's, she's made it, she's got it. And, Mm -hmm. you know, Cheryl should be acting a certain way, but you don't, you're Mm -hmm. just like, it's, that's really beautiful and, and very rare, Cheryl. Um, And I really respect that about you because you could with all of the love and adoration that you do have. I see it on socials. You could go there, but you don't. And mm-hmm. I think that's just beautiful, your humility, your compassion and love, not just for people, but for God. So there's my gush Wow. Fest. That was really uncomfortable. <laughs> was it? <laughs> well, nobody ever says those things, but I was like, I feel like I want to say you really know me well. Like I'm I, like, but then I don't want to say that because then it sounds like I own everything you no, just no, said. No, 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 but, but I, but I, but I just want though. you to make sure that you know, I know that I think you know it, but I think what people think are that you get told this all the time, that, you know, when you're at this place that everybody says great things about you and you know how great you're doing. Mm. And there are moments, but then there are times where it's really lonely and nobody says that. And you're like, am I doing okay? Am I okay? Am I okay? And of course it means more because you know the good, the bad, and the ugly, (laughs) as we talked about earlier, right? So anyway, I want to just say that because those are amazing things about you. All right. I didn't write um, like like long three points. I've, I came up with a bunch of stuff. Like, oh. I love the fact that on your show, whatever you're doing, you're always wanting to have conversation about things that matter. Hmm. Like, I, I don't know if people realize like how deeply you process and think things through and tackling even the hard stuff that's going on in culture, those conversations, like you're committed to it. And I can't imagine that it's always easy to know how to tackle that. And you know what it's like on socials nowadays. I mean, you just say one thing not quite right and people are at your throat, right? Wanting to cancel Mm -hmm. you. So I think it's so brave that you tackle those things and that's your heart through See Here Love. So clearly Mm. your commitment. Um, I think the vulnerability and authenticity, we had it in full circle, but you have continued that on in all your conversations. Like you, even on these questions, I was like, she wants to go there. (laughs) Do we have to talk about that? I mean, you are committed to like being real even to a point of pain, right? Mm. And I think that takes, speaking of humility, like I do think that takes a humility to be actually honest in a culture where everybody's like trying to act like they have it all together and, you know, sell the, sell the image, sell the brand, right? Yeah. Like that's not your brand and I love it. Mm. I think you're an incredible connector of people, both with the way that you connect with people, like you connect with so many people. And yeah, everybody feels like Melinda Estabrooks is their friend. (laughs) But also you connect people. Like you love bringing people together where you're kind of like, and I love doing this too, where you're like, oh, that person should Mm -hmm. meet that person to make this happen. You know what I mean? It's just part of who you are. And I think it's a beautiful thing. Mm. It's not always to, it's not to benefit you. It's just, you're like, this Mm. would benefit that person or... Mm -hmm. 
Um, and you're definitely a powerhouse. I don't know if people know this about you, but you're like a, a mini tornado. Like you're very powerful <laughs> in your leadership and your vision. You're very direct and certain about what you want. Like you're a force of nature. <laughs> I think it's amazing. And the last thing is, I think you're so much fun. Oh, thank you. Okay, thanks for saying that. Because sometimes, especially after the past couple of years, I feel like my fun factor is like diminished. <laughs> well, but, we'll talk about this later, but I do think as you get older, maybe fun looks a little different than okay, when you were 20. Fair enough, fair enough. But you're always fun. You're always mm, laughing. I mean, you. I always know when Melinda's in the room because I can hear, can hear me laughing I know. around the corner. Right? I appreciate Thank you. You know what? I need that today. I did. Not. I wasn't like... It's not doubting myself, but you know how you just have days where you're just like, oh my goodness, am I making a difference? Am yeah. I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? And you know what I mean? Let's be honest. In this media world, like people generally are going to talk to you when you've done something wrong. People are rarely like reaching out to say like, you're, you know, I, even now, what you said about me too, like people don't sit down and like list your qualities. Like you know, know they love you, but. But they don't do it. I know. And you know what? It's actually really good. I love that you did that too because I sat there. The other day and I was typing out and I was thinking about you, right? And I was like, what stands out? Because those are the things. But it's actually really good. I think it, like it's a really good discipline. I, I mean, I don't know if you do it for yourself, but for others. Because, you know, like to hear what you're saying, I'm like, thank you, Cheryl. Like that affirms. I really thank you for that. Because I don't get people that go, oh, my goodness, you're so brave to be vulnerable. But like when I do some of those shows, people don't know. But I, I get scared because I know – that there's a big possibility that people are going to come back lashing. And there have been people. Yeah. People have, like, DM'd me, Facebook messaged me about this or that, or why did you say this, or you weren't strong enough with that, or you were too, like, you it's can't exhausting. Please people. You can't like, please there's people There's no way to hit the right note. No. And so I, I, I really appreciate that because I think people don't know. A lot the cost. Of the cost and the, the cost. work that's involved in what we do. And I'm not trying to say, hey, guys, you know, but – Everybody I don't think message Melinda right now. Yeah, message about was her. fantastic about her. Come on. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Because I think people yeah. like look at the end product, Cheryl, like your show, you know, my show, and they're like, oh, there it is, all nicely packaged and wrapped up, so easy peasy, right? not a lot of work. Meanwhile, do they know the reading, the writing, the late nights, the like every day, early mornings for yeah. you guys to tape? Like, they don't. People don't know how much work this is. No, and I I, but people are like, oh, but it's all oh, makeup and you know studio and lights, and there's that part, but that's not that's like one yes. percent of the ninety nine percent of what to get there. Right. Everybody wants their moment in the sun. It's like kind of like everybody wanting to be a lawyer so they could all argue, like you see in the movies. Meanwhile, ninety nine percent of being a lawyer is like sitting with stuffy old books, going through like good... law. You know. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's a good example. This, this world is like. But I remember, like when when we did Full Circle, which if if people listening don't know what that is, it was a it was kind of like a women's talk show on a couch, kind of like The View, yeah. I guess, except yeah. a lot less arguing. <laughs> um, and I remember we were going to do a show on sex, and people were going to disclose mm-hmm. some of their sexual mistakes yeah. or ways that they crossed the line, mm-hmm. and like. Every I was producing at that time, and every single person on the couch came to me at separate times, freaking out, wanting to cancel the show. Mm-hmm. Everyone, I had to talk everyone off the cliff mm-hmm. because it it costs you something mm-hmm. to be vulnerable. It costs a piece of your soul. It's like you're sharing um, you're sharing yourself with who you don't even know who's listening or right. what they're going to think of you. Yeah, it's hard. It is hard. I don't think people realize that, I and mean, yet people have no problem sending like little messages about what they don't like. Yeah, and you're just like. Oh, you know, and you have to like protect yourself and just say, okay, 
to one person, is it true or is it just, and that's the hard thing. But then, you know, it's, it's the road we've chosen, the public life, life and speaker and influencer. And so there is weighing that, you know, there are days where I'm like, oh, I wish I could be doing something else. And other times I'm like, no, this is right where I need to be. Especially when you get bad news or somebody <laughs> says something bad about you. You're like, I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah, exactly. You know? But then also you have people who are uh, inflating your tires, as they say. Yes. And But but you you never know whether to really trust that because the next week you say the wrong thing on your show and those same people who are inflating your tires are now your enemy. And we see it in culture all yeah, the time, right, too. with cancel culture. Yeah. So that's maybe why I don't take any of it too seriously mm. because I feel like we're all fickle in a way. Like we love people till we hate them. <laughs> Kind of, right? Yes, yes. Like, so I don't think you should take any of it too seriously. Like, I know. It, it's too, it's, we're doing it to God for his kingdom, for his purpose. I don't mean to sound too Christian easy here, but right? Like there's a bigger, there's a bigger purpose in picture. And if you keep that in mind, then you're not going to be shaken by every person who loves you, person who hates you, because that's a roller coaster. One day you're loved and you're totally. at the top of the mountain and the, <laughs> the next, next day you're day. hated and you're in deep depression. Like yep. who can live like that? No one. And you see that. You see it even with like movie stars and other people where their show is the top in the 80s or 90s and they were like living the life and now no one. Yesterday's news. Yeah. No can't one knows even about get them. They can't even get. In a yeah. B movie. Yeah. And so I you're, I, and that's why I think you have to hold this work like really loosely and open handed because anything could happen. Yes. Anything could happen. And I think we'll talk about that in our, our more serious questions as we go on on that. But all right. I want to do these fun, fast questions because this is actually don't know about this with you. So here we go. Every every colleague I have have answered this. So I love hearing the different things. Okay. Aside from 100 Huntley Street and See Here Love, Cheryl, what is your favorite <laughs> TV or streaming show, past or current, and why? Is there anything else to watch besides Huntley Street and See Here Love? No, but, you know, just in case there are people that do. Well, thank you for sending these in advance because it was – I'm not like a – I'm not like a I have one show that I love kind of person. Mm. Um, so it was hard, but for right now I'm really into Bosch on Prime. What's you probably that? never watched no. it. I know. So Michael Connolly is this famous crime writer, and he okay. has this. Um, so it, I've read all of his books, like every Michael Connolly book. Love him, and he has this character called Heronius Bosch, who is an LAPD detective, and he solves all these cases. He's kind of crusty okay, and yeah. stuff like that. Well, they made it into a series on Prime, and now they have huh. spinoffs. Um, one is about the Lincoln lawyer. And then there's another spinoff on Prime 2 of it. And so for me, because I've read all the books, like every every season is a book that I've read. I love crime things. Oh, and I love when the things that I've read are brought to life, especially when it's well done. Yeah. So it's just like, and I don't know, it's like, it's like the books you've read and loved coming to life on the screen. So I've been really enjoying it. Yeah. Bosch. Bosch. Okay, I've got to check that out. You'll you know what's so it. funny? I, at one point, when I was younger, wanted to be like a... no. Like a crime detective, like a detective, a okay. crime detective. I can't believe you just said that because Why? I tell people all the time, if I wasn't doing this job, I would want to be a detective. Are you serious? I'm I not have kidding. always I want to do that. It's the whole like the finding yes. and digging and Figuring then being like, out. oh, I think it's you. It's you know? justice. It's yes. justice and, and advocating for victims, but it's also yep. like just the... the the puzzle, like figuring it out, psychology. Okay, okay. Okay, so if this doesn't work out for us, you and I could maybe become PIs. Okay, I already can see a brand and everything for it. <laughs> I'm not even joking. Because you know what got me was like when I started reading um, Nancy Drew, Encyclopedia yes. Brown, The Choose Your Own Adventure. I know that seems off, but I loved that and got me thinking. Same. And then I would like look at the clues and mm -hmm. I love that stuff. Like, oh, I Hardy Boys, Nancy Drew, yes. come on, bring loved it. Loved it. 
oh my any goodness. crime show like right now i'm watching swat i love, I love crime shows like anything any police crime yeah. and oh fbi global i love fbi oh. i love that show too i just favored it i haven't started it yet okay so this would be a great <laughs> okay if anybody wants to sponsor cheryl and i on a side hustle to be pis <laughs> Come on. Come on. Call us right now at <laughs> when. Wait, we wouldn't. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. But how fun would that be? Could I wonder if we could do a show, like something fun. Right. Oh, I'm literally starring that to say you and I as PIs. Yes. I'm we can solve you. some crimes. I would love to solve crimes. Okay. That's awesome. Okay. All right. Aside from you and me, Cheryl, who is your favorite <laughs> influencer, host, past or present? These questions were so hard. Okay. Uh, you know what? I thought of uh, Lisa Bevere. Because I talked to her in the first like three or four months of COVID um, and she was so on fire. Like, I think she was so positive, like overwhelmingly positive, faith filled, like the, the Bible was like pouring out of her. And I just, and it made me realize that when you put good things into you in the good times mm. when the hard times come, that is what's going to come pouring out all yeah. the good things you put in. Right. Which for mm -hmm. her was the Bible. Um, and other people were really struggling, right? Because they hadn't done that. Yeah. And so I, I was just, I don't know. I, I just learned a really big lesson from her there. And I, I needed that. Like in those first three months when we were like, are we all going to die? Yeah. <laughs> What's going to happen? <laughs> exactly. It was, she was an incredible encouragement to me and you know what a powerhouse I she know. is. Oh my goodness. She has been so great here at Crossroads. She has. Right? Like the, the conversations on Huntley, on See Here Love, on Full Circle, with us, have always been at the conference. It's yep. like, boom, boom, boom. Like, she just kind of, like, nails it, right? She's one of the scariest people I've ever had to interview, yeah. actually. I always think she's like a <laughs> furnace, like a furnace with hot air just blowing at you like a, like a storm. Like, it's just yep. like, whoa, I'm um, not in control of this interview. Lisa Bevere, if you're listening, you are a furnace, <laughs> a storm. A powerhouse. A powerhouse. We love you. From Cheryl Weber. Okay. That's actually, that's a great one. Okay. Aside from the See Here Love book, always know, Cheryl. <laughs> it's like these little pitches. <laughs> I know, I like this. What is your favorite book and why? Okay, I'm going to go way back. And okay. I, maybe because I was thinking of Lisa, um, I went back to this book by John Bevere. Okay. Called Breaking Intimidation, which was pretty yeah. foundational for my life. It was kind of between that and um, Boundaries, which also oh, was life-changing. Oh, Boundaries life was good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. Breaking Intimidation for John Bevere was all about um, how God puts these incredible gifts in your life. And when you are intimidated and fearful, they shut down and they don't work. And how you have to break intimidation in order to function in your gift so you know what it's like the first time you're on tv if you're scared oh my goodness your personality and like you can i used to hear myself thinking at night about how i could communicate like i could hear myself before i'd speak or be on tv i'd hear myself communicate in a totally different way than it would come across when i'd get on air and i'd be terrified yeah so i saw it and i was like i've got to oh. learn how to do this because i want everything that god put into me to come out so well, what did he say what was it? <laughs> everything let's be honest nobody wants to see the grumpy 4 a.m cheryl what was how what was like one of the do you remember one of the points of like how to break like he, well you know john's like a pretty bible and and spiritual warfare kind of guy so i mean his thing was that he felt like it was a spirit and that you really had to kind of resist it like kind of war against it because hmm. if you let it in everything that God wants to do with you is not going to happen. So it was, it was more about, I don't remember exactly how, but I just remember that every time I feel intimidated to this day, I remember that book Wow. and I remember that I have to fight it and I can't let it take root in me because I'm not going to function in the way that I'm supposed to for this moment. That's good. 
You know what's amazing? And I think about this, especially because we make content. Like, content lives on. Like, you're talking about a book that wasn't, like, this year. It's, like, 20 years ago, That's what I'm saying. So, books, even shows. Like, some people are like, yeah, I remember this show from, like, 15 years ago where I turned it on, there was this one thing said, and that's what changed. And I always remember that. And then now with, like, YouTube, people are going back to content, and they're, like, inspired by it. And you're like... I don't even know if I need to do anything else. I've got so much content, you, just retire. you know. You should just retire and become PIs and detectives. <laughs> Let's do it. But that's amazing. Maybe we could be PIs and have our own TV reality TV PI show. Come on, Cheryl. It's a genius okay, idea. We, who gives us like the? Who's gonna trust us with the crime? Like any? Um, let's give it to Cheryl Melinda, who've never ever solved anything, but let's try I it. I put it on television. <laughs> And let's just try it. Okay, we'll solve your crime for you. <laughs> hey, we're smart women. We can figure we're it inventive. out. And that's the thing. You know what? Because we're like journalists and reporters and we, we got to figure stuff out ourselves, We right? interview people for a living. Hello. Exactly. And we know how to like interview well and kind of like interview, but kind of sort of like a back way of really getting the information we could totally do it oh yeah i think so we can have a little training too i'm not adverse to taking a course or something a diploma again if anybody's interested in sponsoring (laughs) or supporting our new pi show (laughs) fantastic i am not even i'm like literally seeing it in my head that would be amazing (laughs) do you see yourself in like a trench coat and a hat something like kind of like sherlock holmes because i also like sherlock holmes It it was a little dark sometimes but and Agatha Christie, like I'd read, like I just love the All of it. solving of it. I think that's yes. it. I think it's the taking something that's unknown and then solving it. And that's always been kind of what I love to do. Agreed. Oh, okay. I'm so excited. I know. Who knew? Oh. I had no idea until this moment. All these years. Oh my gosh. 20 years of knowing Melinda S. Brooks, did I not know that we both well, want to be know detectives? Either. And then when it's when it first started, like CSI, like the fir- like way back, I was like, what? is this and you know how they were like looking at clues i'd be like it's there on the road a thousand percent (laughs) oh yeah all the csis oh all the csis i'm like oh yeah miami was the best yeah i would study stuff i'm like oh okay so okay i see we can also be good criminals because we have studied the forensic side (laughs) (laughs) and now we're criminals Cheryl, don't give me like in their head. They're like, okay, what's happening here? Know, is that, are we a little off topic yeah, here? No, this is good. Okay, it's your turn to ask me any question. This oh, is where we turn to right. the we turn the tables. I had two questions, but oh, you said gosh. I could only do one. Oh, you can do yeah, can whatever do one or two. But all I'm, right, I'm well, nervous. let's start with your most embarrassing moment. Oh my goodness, Cheryl. <laughs> okay, I think the most embarrassing moment was. It was a, was it a prom or my grad? Or maybe I was in grade 11. I know so long ago. See, it still sticks with me. Yeah, it does. That's why it's the most embarrassing. I went to the prom dance. And I was wearing this velvet dress. And I was dancing to like some really good house music and having a great time. And all of a sudden, I feel, and it was warm. There's a lot of people, right? And all of a sudden, I feel like this like air just sort of like, all around me, cool air all around me. And I'm like, what is happening? And all of a sudden, I notice that people have stopped dancing and kind of have surrounded me and are looking at me. And I'm not even joking. My dress had split all the way up from the bottom, all the way up past my bra strap. And I was flapped out with my button underwear out. And it was like a tent, like a V, like this. 
Were you, were you wearing shapewear or was it good underwear day? I think it might have been <laughs> mama type underwear. <laughs> of course. That's what you have to wear you under clingy wear it dresses. Was, it was like a yes. kind of fitted dress and I, I was squeezed in. It was prom. Exactly. I had my nice black this heels. what happens. So it was the ones that are like literally like. So you're covered but you don't want anyone to see that Exactly. Kind of you're covering. covered but it's giving me shape. But no, no one. But here I am fully and I am. And so what's so crazy is. Um, I realized that happened and all of a sudden people were like, Mel, Mel. And I'm like, and you can't, like, I couldn't cover myself because my dress is now split oh, in yeah. half. So I know this sounds crazy and we alluded to this before. I just happened to have a spare dress in my car. <laughs> <laughs> I remember this remember? story. I remember and this story. And I just went into the washroom, got my girlfriend, said, grab my dress. And I had another dress to throw on. But the reason why it was embarrassing, I think, is right. So as women, you do yourself up, you have your shapewear, you're looking great, you're kind of like in control, it's, you know, you're you're feeling good, and your dress rips, and it was like, I mean, I don't want to say, say this like biblical, but it was like- The parting of the Red yes, Sea. Yes, <laughs> not only the parting of the Red Sea, but and the parting of like the curtain, because it literally went from the bottom all the way up to oh, almost my, my shoulders. So that was really, really embarrassing. Like, I- I will never forget the end. The, the hard part was you're in high school. So that whole next week and into the rest of the school year, that's oh, all yeah. people talked about. Ugh. There were like things said, like just nicknames. And I had to kind of be really cool. Like, ah, ha, ha, that's so funny. But it was hurtful. But it was also so embarrassing. Like, I don't think I went, I, I think I changed into my dress and then I never went back on the dance floor. Yeah, that was bad. Everything's hard in high school anyway. And everything's hard. It's like That would be amplified. hard today if that happened to me. I know. But high school, torturous. Well, I mean, your shoe, but we can talk about that after. I mean, yeah. Yes. But, yeah, so that was the most embarrassing. There's other things, but I think that one still imprints in my mind. I heard that one when we were on Full Circle. I know. And I'm, I'm happy that there's been nothing worse that has happened to you in the ensuing no. 10 years. No, that one was probably, I know, it's still. I know you did hear that one because it's still like – a little traumatizing well, and no, embarrassing. The, the good news is 10 years have gone by nothing worse has Yeah, happened. that's true. That's good. So, okay. Do that. you have another one? I'll, okay. I'll do another one. One thing that you'd want to change about yourself. Mm, good one. One thing I want to change about myself. Okay. This is good. I would say I need to change. Or maybe it's not change. I need to be better at saying no. Mm. you know the power of no I'm trying to like there's the power of yes and there's also the power of no and I think you know being the kind of person I am you know never want to have FOMO um, little sprinkles of people pleasing um, you know just a people person all around if you know the Enneagram I'm a seven mm. so that means it's all about people and fun and experiences and all that right I've been watching your socials lately and you have been on a social tear. I have been, which is sort of crazy. So this is maybe perfect timing where I need to learn the power of no. Because the no, and not just for hanging out with people, but just no for th things. Like no to staying up late even though I want to, but it's late and I really need my sleep. No to conversations that are going nowhere and need to end or that are toxic. Like You know what I mean? Like no. Mm. And if I could change that, I, I think that's the one thing is that for me to – be more courageous, me being more intentional, me being, you know, more to be able to say no and then live with that and be okay mm. with it versus no, oh, shoot, but, you know what I mean? Like, no, and then that's the decision. Like, Chris, my husband, he's really good at that. He doesn't care. And I don't want to say care, but he's like, no, 
and it frustrates me beyond belief. But he's like, no, I'm tired. I don't want to go to that party. And I'm like, but it's a great part. No. No. You've been out too much. No. And so it's the balance, but I think I think – if I was going to change something, I think I need to be more in the no mm, place. That's really good. And I think that's very common among women in particular. Like for me, when I, if I ever do say no, which is not my best skill, mm. I feel guilty. I do too. Right? I, I'm always like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry I can't help. I'm so sorry I can't come. I'm, I just, I really, like I was on the plane recently and I was, there was an empty seat and a woman sitting there and she had a newborn. And I had paid extra for the aisle seat because it was a long flight yeah. and I get claustrophobic when I sit in yeah, the middle. I always get aisle seats. I cannot do middle or... I can't either. Like or I window start seats freaking anymore. out. Yeah. And, and I'm tall too, right? So yeah. it's not so easy. Um, and so she asked me if I would switch with her husband who was on standby and he was in the, the back row in the middle of five seats. Would you switch? And I was like... I, was, I said, if he's on the aisle, I will totally switch. She's like, no, he's in the middle of the back row. And I was like... I'm so sorry. Like, and I must have apologized to her like for 10 yeah. minutes straight. Like I felt so terrible. Yeah. I said, I paid extra for this seat on the aisle because I get claustrophobic. Anyway, long story short, uh, the person that was came and sat between us who had that seat, who didn't care because they were in the middle anyway. So they switched and it was perfect. Okay. Great. But I still felt, I still felt guilty. Is still. that crazy though? Like, I feel guilty now. <laughs> I know. Even when you're talking about it, I'm like, I think she still feels guilty. I totally still feel guilty. It's the Christian thing, right? I like know. we have to sacrifice for others. But I was like, I can't do like hour after hour after hour in the middle. I can't. I know. But I wonder what that is. Like, why can we, why... So the part of it is why do we say yes all the time? Because there's the other part of the yes. Yes. But yes, and there's I know that some people are sit, like I need to say yes more to courageous things or things that are uncomfortable. So I True. get that. Yeah. But I think for me it's like I'm saying yes to way too many things. Yeah. And Same. I need to be I need to say no and then be unapologetic about it. Like be okay with it. You know what I'm saying? Totally. Maybe Chris can do a little course for us. We'll do a course and it'll be called like the the PIs that say no. Without guilt. Without guilt, remorse. yeah. That's our new show. That's our new reality <laughs> show. That's actually it's a great question. great name. I love that. Okay. So now let's get into a little bit more about Cheryl, knowing you, and some really, yeah. And it's interesting. When I make these questions, I kind of make it, you know, these ones, the fun, fast questions, like all the colleagues got that. But then these ones I, I do very individual for each person based on because it's either something that'd be interesting or that I would love to have a you know a good hard conversation with them as I'm learning things. So I think this is going to be a great segment. So let's start off with Cheryl. What is one of your most favorite moments in your hosting journalism career, and then your least favorite? <sighs> do, 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 do. I know I have to think through this. Uh, one of my most favorite. I have so many favorite moments I like how many interviews would you say you've done in your lifetime gosh I know maybe a thousand I was about to say I thought about a thousand for you yeah I think maybe a thousand because I you know when even when I was a producer and I wasn't on camera I was still doing interviews hmm I'm torn between two different ones so I'm gonna pick the more recent one so uh last year I interviewed Bishop T.D. Jakes Mm -hmm. for an hour and it was a crazy interview because uh, I was doing we were in lockdown so I was doing it from my basement <laughs> and through Zoom he could see me but I never could see him. So I didn't know what he was wearing, I didn't know what his facial oh, expressions were. Yeah, wow. and that was really hard because you know as an interviewer you judge you judge a lot by the look on someone's face. Mm-hmm. You kind of know when to dig deeper, when to pull back, like how they're feeling. Yeah. And half an hour of that interview was on racism. 
And so, and it was a really intense and honest conversation and um, I loved it. Like, and you know, he really opened up in a really vulnerable, beautiful way. He, his, I think it was his grandfather was killed by a white supremacist through lynching. Really? And yeah, and he was born on the the day that his grandfather was killed. So he was actually, T.D. Jakes is named after his grandfather, T.D. Jakes, who was killed by white people. Wow. So like his whole life has kind of been in the narrative of this racial hatred. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you can imagine, and living in, in Texas and just all that's happened, how it's impacted him. So he really, he really opened up and shared pretty honestly about it. And I was talking to him a little bit. I was sharing pretty honestly, too, about um, how as a white leader, like sometimes I don't know what to say because if I, I've said something not quite the right way that I've had people be really mad at me Hmm. and it's not just people be mad at you. It's that you influence people. So if you say it the wrong way and people all start thinking that way or thinking that that's the right way, and then you realize you didn't get it quite right and you try to correct it, they might not read the correction. Kind of like when people print a retraction in the newspaper. Does anyone see the retraction on page 10? No, they remember the headline on page one. So it, it was always like this, like, I don't know what, if I'm going to do this right and just kind of worried. So we had a great conversation about that. And he was like, listen, you know, his encouragement was to just be in it, to be, mm. to dive in. We need to mm. talk about it, even if we don't get it right, that we're family, we're brothers and sisters. So we might fuss and fight, but we're always going to be family. Um, and that, you know, because the whole reason it came up is because one of my friends who is, well, one of your friends too, who was a, a black Christian leader, had mm-hmm. posted something around the time that some of these people were unjustly killed by the police. And she said, um, white Christian leaders, please say something. Mm-hmm. And when I, when I saw that and I heard her heart, the cry of her heart, right away I posted something um, about it. But, and I shouldn't have needed that push, but I just, I didn't, I didn't know how to say what mm-hmm. I wanted to say right. You know, even to this day, like when I'm speaking into something to do with race, uh, whether it's indigenous issues or, you know, with the black community, sometimes I'll run it by a friend of mine from that background. But that's just one person's view. Right. Like there's still 10 other people who have a different view Mm -hmm. who are like, I still don't like what you said. Mm -hmm. So it's hard. Right. But I just I think the gift of his honesty, the raw honesty and the and the real conversation we had for me was like a huge gift. Like one of my top five interviews ever over my whole career. That's amazing. Yeah, I just love him anyway. Yeah. He's so profound. Like yeah. He's such a, like a world-class communicator. And you know what I think, you know, as I said earlier, share like your posture for learning and this humility in, in learning. I think that's the gift of making why you're such a great, you know, journalist and host and interviewer. Because I think if you come into, you know, and I always say this, if you come into an interview where you know everything and you want that person to go the direction you want, then it's not really good because you're not even listening. You're just trying to get to what your point and mm-hmm. them to like basically, you know, affirm your point or be a part of it. Or you can be on the opposite where you just want to poke them and make it like a really like divisive, polarizing conversation. Or That's you have what's a plan happening. and you're just going to follow, the plan, follow no the plan no matter what they say. Whereas I think, you know, over all the years I've been doing this and even, you know, seeing you, what, I, what I've loved is that we've kind of gone where, you know, there's, there might be a book or something, but we've kind of listened and you're learning. You're leaning in and learning. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you some of the things that, you know, when I go and speak to like youth, the biggest learning has been through my interviews. Like I'm actually like this is the greatest like school for me that I've had. Like because I've done probably 500 interviews 
And I've learned so much from these people, more so than anywhere else in some places, right? A thousand percent. So I, I love feel like that. I should be the best human on the planet because I've talked to so many amazing people. Who are like, sadly, I am not, <laughs> but I think I should be. Well, <laughs> now that you said that you're a PI, I'm like, she's up there in my favorites. So Bishop T.D. Jakes, if you're listening, you are one of Cheryl's top five interviews Hands and down. one of her most favorite moments. Okay, that's amazing. That's awesome. Okay. Your least favorite moment of all of the moments. So it could be interviews or just moment, but I think people need to know that it's not all roses and and butterflies here. I, I was going to say, you know, in 1999 when I had to sign up for internet dating as part of my <laughs> producing role when nobody was doing it. So it was like this big shameful thing um, in order to write the story. And you'd be like, how'd you meet? And you're like, um, at a festival at a concert I was like this is the lowest I've ever gone for my job <laughs> um no actually I think my my most I don't know one of my one of my worst moments was hosting with somebody who mm -hmm. was in charge at the time and was known for for random changing of things the last minute mm -hmm. um and I just remember I was live on air with this person and they had thrown the rundown out and I literally didn't know what we were doing, how long we had, where we were going next. Mm. Like, I didn't know what was happening. And you know, from like being mm. on air and then live, mm -hmm. live is like a whole other thing. This yep. isn't like you can do a retake. No. This is live. Whatever happens, happens. And I'm, I'm standing beside this person, literally like, I have no idea what we're doing next. And I'm trying to look calm. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to, you know, <laughs> have the... Oh yeah, yeah, it's mm -hmm. all good. But inside, I was like, ah, what's happening? Where are we doing? Throwing out the rundown doing? is like every single person's like nightmare yeah. you can't well it's it's like your map if you do if you have never done tv oh, right. it's just That's basically true. your roadmap. it's like knowing where you're going to take a right turn or a mm -hmm. left turn and and i literally had no idea but i'm i'm on air like i'm supposed to talk but i don't know what we're doing so what so, happened i don't i fake it till you make it baby that's all i can tell you <laughs> i just kind of tried to follow this person's lead and uh and they somehow just we decided got through it. that it they didn't need a rundown it was kind of like they were making changes so close to the actual broadcast. And then I think they had something on their laptop, but I didn't have one. So I had no way of knowing. There was no time oh to print goodness. it out. And so I was just kind of like, no idea what we're doing now. And I was terrified. Absolutely terrified. That is. Yeah. That would be like anybody's like, um, no rundown. When do I end? What am I talking about? Are there throws? Is there what am Are I doing? Are you expecting me to ghost to something? Thankfully, this person to... did have a tendency to kind of take over, so <laughs> I was probably just you know like a foil, just nod and smile. Yeah, you know it's funny. Like I was trying to think in my head, like answering this question, and I think there was one the least. I would say the least because favorites, but we were on that. So full circle for some of you listeners and viewers, if you didn't know, was a show Cheryl and I were on in 2000, 2012. We went daily, but it was before, it was that, before for that many years. Oh. Like it must've been 2003 or yeah. four or something. Like 2006, how many years? Six, five. Yeah. I think it was 2005 to 2012, something like that. Yeah. Seven years. And it right. was, uh, it was, it started off as the Friday edition of 100 Huntley street here at crossroads. And then it became its daily show, but it was, yeah, like you're saying, but I remember that there was a author slash guest, a gentleman, and I remember he walked up and he put his arms across the couch, crosses, I was like, hey, ladies, hey, girls, chicks, uh, what are we going to talk about? That kind of thing. And I remember immediately I went into, oh, this is going to be bad. And he, I don't know, he just was like, it was so, and not demeaning, but how he talked to 
us women. He was sort of like talking down to us. We'd ask him a question, but he wouldn't really answer. And I remember going, this is not going well. And it didn't. I remember even the host at that time, she was like trying to get out of it. We were like trying to find a way. And I don't even know why. I think maybe he'd written a book, but nobody read it because it was just so horrible. And I remember, I'll never forget that. And I'll never forget because it's like, I don't know. You know, I think there's a, there's a number of things. I think if I was braver, I might have called them out on that. Like, why are you calling us like chicks? And you know what I mean? Like that. And why are you sitting with your arms around like on the couch and just laying casual, not answering our questions? Like it's such disrespect. Mm -hmm. But I think he was just used to, that's how he is with women and in that part of the United States. But again, it was interesting because I'm like, I, why didn't we say anything? You know what I mean? Like, why didn't... I know, I wouldn't have either. Why was I not brave enough to just say, hey? I wouldn't have either. Like, on television, you no, don't... No, but I know. This is what I mean. It's like... And now I don't... You know, again, I was thinking about that because I was like, that was like my least favorite. It was like the most uncomfortable. Mm. And people could tell we were uncomfortable. It was not a good interview. Nothing great came out of it, like when we were asking him questions. And so I'm like, would I have done something differently now like 15 years later and it's a good question because it's like i don't think i would i, I don't want to humiliate do do? people on I television know. like but it was like that's the... something that you talk to them about afterwards but even then it's like you're not in a permanent you're not in a long-term working relationship with that person so what is the I point know. of so that was a, yeah them? that was like really bad and i remember coming out of that we were all like oh. Ugh. It's so interesting, you know, and, and I think there's something to that. I was sitting with, um, I was at a black tie event recently and I was sitting with some very wealthy high society people and the wife of one of the men told me clearly, this is a man's world, honey. She said, I could say more, but I won't. And it made me really mm. sad mm -hmm. because that's how she felt all these years of being in high society, but it was all about her husband. That is sad. I know. I said to her, you know, we're hoping to change that for the next generation. She was kind of like, Ugh. Really, eh? Like, you can kid yourself that it's ever going to change, but, yeah, it's really made but me But if you think. live in that space and you never work towards it, then it won't happen. But it's like, and if you just resign yourself to, like, that's what it is, then, then for you, that's what it will be. That's true. I, fe I do feel like the next generation, like, when you're talking millennials, Gen Z, I think they're not going to take that. Like, from the ones I know, they're just like, oh, no. Well, hopefully, but, I mean, it's still a reality in Canada that men get paid more than women for the same job. I know. Like, this is 2022, and that's still a reality. I mean, I just did a story, a show today on Guatemala, and um, women get paid, like, half or, la or to a third of what men get paid for the exact same work in the field. Like, it's a global reality, sadly. Yeah. I know. It's like, I don't I know. mean to be a big downer. No, Sorry. but that's but that's the reality, and I think that's good for us to remember this. And like, there's work to do. I think there for is. us to like speak up about it, in, empower and encourage other women and men. Yes. To also speak up about that for equity and equality. I so, love it when men speak up about it. I do. It too. just does my heart so much good to see them advocate for women. I know. And that's what we need to do. It's not. It's not a women's issue. It's like women's and men's issues to work together. To like change some policies, change these laws, change yeah, this. Men have right? wives, they have moms, they have kids, kids they have daughters. daughters. Oh yeah, and that's the thing for Chris. I remember he like he was saying with Sophie now, like she's fifteen. There's a lot about what he says and what he supports because of her. Will her mm -hmm. life be easier, harder if he does or does not? Right? Mm -hmm. Like 
he's like, I don't want Sophie to like have to deal with the stuff that we're having to deal with as far as this. Like at 15, her whole life should be here to say there's equality and equity for men and for women and opportunity. So yeah, that's good. I think that, yeah. So it was, it was interesting. And so of that, thinking about my least favorite, there's a few others, but that one I just remember, you know, stuck out to me and it's like, uh. Yeah. And then maybe that also, when that happened, I think part of me was like, I need to remember and sometimes to like speak up or say something even after to say no. And I think for guesting, we did tell the guesting person like, don't ever book that don't person, ever again. person again. And they never did. So that was good. Oh. Okay. Here's a question. So Cheryl, we've known each other for so long. We also have a girls group called the Bass Walks. Which <laughs> we won't say what the I title was gonna say, is. Are you going to explain what that means? <laughs> you can't really, can No, we you? can't. No, I know. It has something to do with women. Of God. Of God. That are amazing. That are amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't name it, just so everybody knows. Yeah, that was some other, was that Kathy? I don't know. It was one of our girlfriends who came up with that. So we've been meeting, connecting for over, I think, 15 years now from Full Circle Niagara Weekends to Cottage Time. What would, be, what would be our favorite memories together? And why do you think having a group of women is so important for emotional and mental health? And third question, and for the woman that doesn't have girlfriends, mm. uh, encouragement. That's a lot. It is a lot. I, a lot. I packaged, you know how I do that? I do one question. I do a Q period and then I write it and really there's three questions in the one. It's sort of like a trick I do. I know. It's very <laughs> sneaky. And then I could just choose to answer one. That's true. Because I said the last bah, 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 one. Bah, bah, bah. Okay. No, you can I'm just do, kidding. You can do the. No. Okay. My favorite memory. I had to think about this. I mean, there's so many mm. hilarious memories. I just have this memory of us at a cottage in Muskoka. Yeah. Um, and we had left the house that we were staying in and we were like in the woods and Randy. So the guys were there put like a boom box in the trunk of his car. Oh yeah. And was playing oh, music. Yeah, yeah. And we were like dancing, like outdoors under the, under the sun, yep. like I in the woods. That. I forgot about that. I know it was just this random, I don't know. That even was really know. fun. But it was just, it was like being young. It was like being a teenager again, teenager. almost right. With like yep. a boom box in the trunk and. And oh, for you fun. young kids, a boom box. <laughs> um, what would you even describe it it's as? A, now? It's hmm. like a really big MP3 player. It is a really big MP3 player with. <laughs> Speakers, speakers attached right well, boomboxes are coming back they in are. And i've I, actually I want, seen people walking down the street I want with them one and i wish i had not like gotten rid of in a, in a garage sale my pink sanyo oh it was like a sweet. little pink sanyo like boombox like We're you know using, like a whole generation right now i know they're like we have no idea what you're talking about but okay i love that i do remember that memory that was really fun we we're dancing that was, right? that was yep just I random that. That it was, was just really a fun. random crazy thing but it was a really fun day that was really good also my hair was really good that day how do you remember <laughs> that i have a picture of it that's why <laughs> i was like wow that was good hair okay that's good i like that i forgot about that one that was fun and then when guys and girls are like dancing and everybody's dancing weird In and crazy woods. and nobody cares just, yeah it was like super fun i know i think more people should dance why don't we do like a campaign right now, whoever's listening, where it's like boom box in your trunk, dancing, record it, send it to us. <gasps> oh my gosh, that would make my day. How I think that fun would literally would that make my day if people did that. Just like show us your like dancing wherever you are in like a boom box. Wherever. Or your car stereo. Car stereo and then dance your forever. Phone on your iPhone. Or iPhone and <laughs> be safe. Portable speeders. Yeah. Speakers. Be safe. But that would be so fun because I think more people need to dance. Every- I agree. Because now people only dance like at weddings. Uh-huh. You or know, when you're by yourself in the house. Yeah, I mean, because I don't know, like, I don't know how many more people I know go to clubs to go dancing. Like, I don't think people 
do, do people do that anymore? Maybe in twenties. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. So I love that. So maybe we should do that. Get people like dancing again because that would be a fun campaign. Okay. Why is it important for our emotional and mental health? Yeah, to have like a, a group of friends and women hanging out like this. I think it's just relatability, right? Like in a group of seven women, there's going to be somebody who understands yeah. what you're going through. And also I think having the history. So like we have one friend in our group, you know, she's been raising a son with a severe disability, for example, mm-hmm. I've been journeying with her for yeah. like 20 years. Yeah. And oh, yeah. just, just having that, that history and that mm-hmm. knowledge, like there's a lot of things you don't have to explain because people kind of know the context of what you've been through. Yeah. And yeah, I think the support and talking about things too, you know, I just, um, did an interview recently about sexual abuse in the church. And one of the things that this woman said about it, she'd been through abuse herself and healing is that a wound that is never revealed or talked about doesn't heal. Wow. It's really stayed with me because Mm -hmm. sometimes we don't talk about, we just, you know, suck it up kind of, right? Like not everybody's an external processor. Mm Mm-hmm. But if you don't talk about it, it doesn't heal. And I think talking about it in a group and hearing other people who kind of go through similar things, whether that's depression or fears or whatever it is, it's like you feel like, okay, I'm not crazy. Like it's comforting. Right. Right. To know that other people have been through what you've been through. Yeah. Like more than one person in our group has dealt with anxiety and depression at different times. Mm -hmm. So it's super helpful. To, to talk about that and to, to learn from each other's skills and that support. And we pray for each other too, right? Oh, yeah. There's been prayers and crying and more prayers and soaking in, <laughs> in worship music. That, that's a shout out to Denise. Um, <laughs> I have yeah. this video of you actually at one of these times we got together and you were talking about how you have to hit the pillow three times before you can sleep. Yeah. Do you still do that? I don't do it as much, but I used to. It's weird. It's like a psychological thing. I forgot about that. It's like because we had girlfriends who had troubles falling asleep or sleeping yeah. and I have this weird thing where I would like hit my head like not hard but it'd be like one two three <laughs> and then I don't know if it was like like you know it's like a, a trigger or clicking and I would just start falling asleep this, that's amazing is that crazy yeah I, I, I have a that. video of you I don't know why we were at the Royal York all of us we were staying in like two <laughs> right. rooms I think and yeah <gasps> the Royal York that was so fun in Toronto that was amazing that was great all right, so Cheryl, for the women that doesn't have girlfriends, because this, this is a this is a comment that always comes up at See Her Love. Mm-hmm. Women will always write me and say, you know, you, you on the show you always talk about community. Mal, you have a lot of girlfriends. All your girlfriends have a lot of girlfriends. You guys are always hanging out. I don't have that. It's mm-hmm. either a, it's hard for me to make girlfriends and friends. Two, where do I do that with people that? I would feel safe with mm-hmm. and three um they're just like I don't even know where to begin because I'm like more introverted and I don't know how to like even start not to yeah. answer all those three questions I did that trick again right I'm I know like, you did <laughs> I was on number three of the other three but I, what I mean is that's what they're saying to me yeah. and it's a lot it's like so you know what would you say from that you know don't have girlfriends well, I would start by saying no one is going to have Melinda Estabrook's life. Like <laughs> like I said, you are like the social, you have so many different groups of people. I could never aspire to that. Also, I would find it completely exhausting. I'm just yeah. saying. That, Chris would say the same. Chris goes, no. As an introvert, it would just totally. Oh, it's uh, a lot. Yeah, exhausting. And even for me, it is a lot. I will say. I will admit it that I do have a lot of groups of friends, but there have been days it's been a lot. 
I think that your life is unusual. So I think if people are comparing themselves to you, then they should stop that right now because I don't think that you're the norm. Mm -hmm. Um, I think, you know, once you leave school, it is harder outside of your job to find people. And then sometimes within your job or in your world, or if if your husband has influence, there's all kinds of dynamics, right, that make friendships complicated, Mm -hmm. I think, sometimes. So I, I wouldn't say it's easy. No. Uh, my best friend moved away years ago. I don't think I have another best friend. Mm. Like it's just those kinds of things are not everyday-ish. Yeah. But I do think if it's a desire of your heart, you can start to pray for it. Mm-hmm. Because I've done that in my life in the past and it's happened. Not mm-hmm. like tomorrow. Not like I didn't pray for it on Thursday and my best friend <laughs> arrived on yeah. Friday. But over the course of like say a year, you know, really consistently asking God to bring a best friend into my life, it did happen. Yeah. So I think that's one. And I think another thing is risk. So Mm. if you really Mm. want it, you have to be willing to take a risk. And, you know, you do it step by step. It's not like you just see somebody that you like and all of a sudden you start pouring out your whole life to them. I mean, A, they may not want a friend. Like they may not have room in their life for another friend. I've been in that situation myself where people wanted to be my best friend and I don't have time or room. I can't even take care of the people that I do have, right? Mm. Um, So I think you know, like you, you take your baby steps, maybe ask somebody out for coffee or lunch, uh, see if they have room for a friend in their life. And then you, you do these tests, right. To see if they are trustworthy. So a big red flag to me, mm. if I go out for coffee with you and you're talking about someone else the whole time and divulging their secrets or gossiping about them, that's a great red flag that that is not going to be your best friend because if they did it about them, they're going to do it about you. Right. That's good. So there are some things like that you should be wise about, but you still have to be open. So it, it is a bit of a risk and you may initially pick somebody that you realize over time, yeah, they're not going to be a trustworthy, they're not, they're not safe with my heart or my secrets mm-hmm. and move on. Yep. You know, keep them as an acquaintance, love them, yep. but just they're not going to be yeah, your best it's friend. Like, it's like your tight circle, like inner circle. Then you have like circles. I always think of it as circles where it's yeah. like, here's your really close friends. And then you kind of have the other circle that's like, you'd invite them to your party or birthday, but they might not be your closest friends, but these they would be at least to your birthday. And then you go bigger. And those are the people who you invite to watch you do a show in the studio (laughs) or that you get together with twice a year right or something that's it and then maybe the other circle is for people you want to invite to come see you in the studio but you're right I think and I think that's wise I think yeah and I think you know for me you're right I think there are people that do compare and it's just yeah and again you know a lot of these friends I mean these are life like some of these friends I've had are like from my 20s some are even like from so bible college and it's weird. I've kept in touch with them. And then from like my working at World Vision, which was in my 20s, and I've kind of kept friends along and and then have kept maintaining them based on like interests and things. I mean, the secret for me, Cheryl, is that I do like fours. The best way for my for friends, and I will meet one-on-one, but I found that I'll meet in groups of four, which is the best mm. because you're always, you can you can manage it. No one's left out as a three. And fours are always like, it, it's perfect for like a patio table. It honestly, and I, I don't know how this came about, but I naturally started doing that. So I'll meet with girlfriends that are like in fours that we have mutual history or memories, or we are all in not for profit, or we all are women leaders, or we're all in media. And I've it, seen you bring people together that didn't know each other. And oh yeah, you and I love the that. Foursome. I like love that. 
I really do. It's and it's funny because sometimes people, my girlfriends, will call me and go, Mel. I just want to let you know I'm going out with that girlfriend that you introduced me to on the weekend. Is that cool? I'm like, yes, you know, because like that's the point. But it's yeah. funny because I think there also is where for women we feel like sometimes we own friendships, and I think that's a big thing. It's a whole other show, but yes. we own friendships. Oh. So if somebody else is a friend, then everybody get. I've, and I've had that too. Yes, had, you're in a group of four, and two of them go out. And then you feel left out. Yeah. I've had people be mad at me because I yeah. went in a different configuration. But sometimes you just want to talk to someone one-on-one. Totally. And it's not against that other person. It's I just know. this is a moment for us one-on-one. Like, oh. Managing friendships. I when, mean, girl friendships. are a lot of work, man. <laughs> we are. I'm telling you. We are. It is. It is a lot of work. And I think that I know. But I think you do. I, I think the important thing is you do you. Like, don't compare yourself to how other people yeah, are doing it. Right. You have to do you. Like, you found the foursome works for you, but maybe for an introvert who likes one on one, that may not work. Or, right. like, just stop comparing. Just stop it. Perfect. Just do you. Yeah. Be you. And be okay with that. And stop comparing. I think the comparison, especially, and I know <sighs> socials are the worst because I know I do post on social. Oh, yeah. A lot. But I just, and also because I'd like to gush about friends and people. So, um, I think that's that's where you have to kind of like have a moment, think maturely, you know, and start going, okay, this is not because they don't like me. Maybe they just want to hang out with a girlfriend one on one, and we'll get together at some point. But I know I that yeah. that's a big one. Liking someone else doesn't mean that they don't like you. Exactly, that's yeah. good, Cheryl. Okay, mm-hmm. and now we're gonna go to another just easy oh, conversation. I- Are you ready? Okay, so you know that I was talking. The other day to our mutual friend, Karen, and we were celebrating her 60th birthday, which was interesting because prior to that, she told me that she was not going to tell anybody she was turning 60 and that she didn't want to have a party. She would not post on social that she was 60 would just be another birthday. Now well, that you've let the world know. <laughs> no, but surprise, surprise, she decided on her own that she would let the world know. And then people started posting about her 60. So I called her and I was very proud, but I'm like, what happened? She goes, you know, well, it's my reality. I'm 60. I can't hide it. I'm going to be aging. So anyway, so we started talking and she's in this group of women who are, it's called aging to saging or something like that or some, some kind of thing. And so while we're together, she asked me these questions and I want to ask you. So she first asked us. Uh, wait, I just want to ask you first, why are you asking me about aging? Because I haven't asked with anybody <laughs> about this. And I think with media and we are like, we are getting older, but not super old. Thank you. Okay. Clearly making me feel uncomfortable <laughs> by totally, the question that totally I had to put you on the spot for that. I was like, why are you bringing up aging? I know. I don't but understand. I think, but this is a really good conversation because I'm like, who, because it's also come up with other girlfriends who are in media that are not in Christian media that are like, it happens. We see it. We're, we're seeing it. And we're now in that aging stage. So the first thing Karen asked me was, what do I most fear about aging? Mm. So what do you most fear about aging? Um, should I, you ask me or should I ask you first? Okay, well, let me, I'll do one. You can do one. Okay. We'll go back and forth. Uh, the one is that I think the one of my biggest fears is like dementia and losing my memory and not remembering mm. things and people and memories. Yeah, that is terrifying. That's one of the ones that I, I really struggle with. I think, I think about that. mine's related to that would be losing my independence. So That's I've it. walked my friends through that where now they're living in a home or they're not able to live independently anymore mm-hmm. and they don't have any money. So they're living like in a terrible home yeah. with bed bugs and yeah, <laughs> those worst case scenarios that I've walked my friends through. Yeah. 
Yeah, losing my independence. Yeah. The other thing would be in that, so also losing like my mobility, like can't walk up the stairs, even to the extreme, can't go to the bathroom by myself, can't, that, that kind of stuff, like that, which then equals being a burden on a loved one, like Chris, like that kind of thing makes me like, oh my goodness, like I'd have to like, again, completely depend on him. There would, that would put, it hard on him but also just not being able to like walk or yeah having so many surgeries lately I kind of know that feeling because after surgery you're always dependent on the nurses yeah and I've just had so many humiliating moments around that and I've hated every minute of it yeah like I'm always like can we get me up walking what can we do you know it's gonna hurt but let's get this show on the road no and I agree I think we, we talked about this before where when I was in like ICU um you know, when I was in the hospital and coming out of it, like Chris had to fully take care of me. Like I couldn't move. My muscles had atrophied, but I was like so dependent on him. Mm-hmm. And it was hard seeing that because he was, it wasn't easy for him. Like he's still processing like just how much he had to carry emotionally, physically, mentally, spiritually for that. So I think those are honest things. Like what I most fear about aging? I think those. Do you have any others? That's the biggest. Yeah. Yeah, I think losing my independence. And also, I think dying alone. Yeah. I just don't want to die alone. I know. I've, like, I've heard that too from people. It's like, I don't want to do that either. It's like, I... I don't have like a yeah. big family of mm-hmm. 20 people that are going to show up at my bedside. Yeah. yeah. No, I get that. Okay. So then, what are we then, Karen asked me, what am I looking forward to as I age? Like, what's the good part of aging? And I was like, so then it was really funny because when, when we were talking about what do I most fear, we were like, boom, 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 boom. And then it was like, what am I looking forward to as I age? And it was like crickets a little bit, but then, but there was one thing, but I want to hear what you say. Uh, <laughs> I pretty much had crickets for this. Like I, I have not enjoyed getting older so far. Like mm-hmm. it's, I think it's weird because, you know, through your twenties, thirties, forties, even like it's like everything just works. You're just, your body just does what you yeah. tell it to. Everything's kind of just normal. You know, you work out, you get strong. You don't work out, you don't get strong. Like, I don't know. Like, it's just everything works. Right. Right. And then mm-hmm. all of a sudden, like, things just start changing. And you're like, why yep. did that change? Why are you looking like that? Yeah. You know? why, 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 when I ate a Subway at 2 a.m., <laughs> I'm now feeling really, really horrible the next day. And I, and I gained weight. Like, I'm not kidding. Because in my 20s, I could, like eat whatever I wanted right do whatever I want I'm fine you don't bounce back the way you used to yeah, like just right. like everything about it so far I have not really enjoyed and it's been surprising like I don't I don't feel like people prepare you Mm-mm. and for how fast it happens like year after year you're like new things exactly yeah. okay I'm glad you say that I think the only thing that I'd be looking forward to as I age is partly is and again it's, it's also harder in media like we're in Christian media oh yeah but there is a part where it's like I don't care anymore like I can say stuff to my friends and family and I'm like, I'm older now. Like, this is who I am. This is how I feel. And not mm. that it's like, you have to be careful because you don't want to be mean or whatever and, and like editing. But some people what, get really grumpy when they, they get, get grumpy. Old. I know. But what I mean is, is that at, at this point, it's like we know more about who we are. Mm-hmm. So I think that we're more sure of, maybe not sure is the good word, but what what we're saying, what we believe, what we want a little bit. I've, I've seen that a little bit as I've gotten older, but I think you're right in all honesty, Cheryl. Like I've always shunned and have been afraid of aging. Mm. I never wanted to age. 
I've never, I've always struggled about that because youth was sort of like, was the thing. People would, um, you know, want me to speak because I was a young Gen Xer, mm-hmm. 20s and 30s. People wanted me to do things. I could oh, go yeah. and do stuff. And now it's like trying to adjust to this new season and you know it's happening, so you can't stop it. And it goes fast. And how do you embrace it and then do it well? Is yeah. what is, I guess the question. You know, I did interview two sisters who work, um, you know, with the age, and uh, they had so many really wise things to say in this book, and it made me think. Like, I loved my interview with them. Actually, I'm thinking of mentioning it to the producers that we should air it again because um, there was just mm. so many things about. There's a lot of grief involved with aging. Mm-hmm. Um, it's saying goodbye to your career at a certain point for retirement. Uh, it's, you know, obviously you lose your parents along the way. Then there could be loss of spouse or friends that start to die. Mm -hmm. There's your health. Like there's a lot of things that you actually have to process and deal with, um, that nobody prepares you for. Like we don't talk about this in culture because we're a culture that really worships youth and beauty, right? Which is what makes it so hard for you and I who live in the public spotlight, you know, who have all that pressure on us, Mm -hmm. but we can't escape the inevitability of it unless we're going to become like plastic surgery stars, you know, of people who went wrong because they did too many surgeries (laughs) if we could afford it. Right. So at some point there's an inevitability about it, but I just love the fact that people were actually talking about it and helping people process and even Mm -hmm. giving validity to those feelings because there's so many losses at that time that you're trying to deal with and nobody's talking about it. So like, and nobody talked to me about it either. I don't know about you, but nobody's no. ever said to me, oh, these are some weird things that might happen to you no. as you get older. Nobody said that. Nobody said, told me anything about perimenopause. I mean, let alone like I'm going to be probably heading into menopause, but like hot flashes, weird body things, my hair, the elasticity of my face, just yeah. all these things. I'm like, and it, ha- it felt like it happened overnight. Completely. Like I was using the same <sighs> face creams and I was doing the same hair products. And all of a sudden one day I'm like, why is my hair not? full and why is it falling out or why am I so hot and then not hot and I'm crazy like right it was and it's just- worked for you for like 30 years so you're like what just happened exactly yeah I think it's I think it's hard I wish I had more wisdom about yeah. it I think my only wisdom would be like you decide in a way how fast you're aging from the inside out so that you can mm, control that's interesting so in my career in media yeah. I work with certain people who at some point along the way just decide to opt out of either culture or um, media, like media growth, whatever it is. So you might decide that I don't want to learn how to use a smartphone. I don't want to use social media or whatever it is. You know, at some point people just opt out. Yeah. And I think that ages you actually pretty fast. Mm -hmm. And so I've been pretty determined like to keep learning everything I can about socials, about anything that comes along that's a new thing in media like I'm going to be a, a forever student. I'm never yeah. going to opt out. And I'm going to keep my attitude as youthful as I can because I don't know if you I've had friends like this who've just all of a sudden in their head something clicked and they're like now I'm old. And they just change. Like they they all of a sudden are like yeah. low energy, they dress different, they just don't want to the dressing, the uh, yeah, yeah, it's like they're owning it. They're owning it so hard. Mm. And my mom, I have this memory of my mom at 70. We were in Australia, we were uh snorkeling on the Great Barrier Reef Amazing. and she was not in shape at all. But she swam for 3 hours with us in the Whoa. Great Barrier Reef snorkeling at 70. 
not in shape. And it was just out of her joy de vivre. Like she was just loving the experience mm. and life and taking it all in. Like she is kind of that youthful person. Even when I was a little kid, my dad would be like, turn down that music. And my mom would be like dancing with me in the kitchen. <laughs> right. I like, it. I just love this about her. She's kind of my, you know, example of like, I always want to keep that joy of life. Yeah. That curiosity, that wonder, that openness to new experiences, the ability to keep learning, even when it's like part of you just wants to say, oh, I don't want to learn another technology or app or whatever it is, right. to just keep forcing yourself to do it so that so you don't good. decide to opt out of life. So I think that's the only thing I know so far. That's I mean, good, I'm still sure. pretty early on in my aging yeah. journey, but. No, I think that's really, I think that's honest. Like I think at this stage and age, it's like, we're not like 70, 80 yet. Right. But I mean, it's like these are good conversations to have and they're hard because I think for me, like I said, youth was always the ticket. Like all of my great opportunities, it seemed were in the youth, but then it was interesting over time. I'm like, but now I'm doing what I'm doing and look at all the experience that I've had to, to ensure that as I'm in this space, Mm -hmm. I'm like the best version. I've got experience. I know stuff. And sometimes I'm like, I don't know anything. It's, and then, you know, I start talking about things and media, whatever. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, I know this because I've been doing this for 20 years. Mm. And then it dawns on me that age experience is, is good. But it is. <laughs> and I, I will. I mean, I, I think, you know, especially in media, you know, it's hard because it, there is a reality where I'm like, you know, I'm getting older. How long can you stay in media? At some point, someone else is going to make the decision that yeah. you're, you've aged out yeah. of and your job. and somebody else is going to come and Not take because your job. you're not good at your job anymore, but because you don't have the yeah. look of your job right. anymore. Unless we go to 60 Minutes. <laughs> and we could be like Leslie, and she's older. And, I mean, there's the Barbara Walters. But those are like one or two people. But that that's can... what I mean. It's not – that's an exception. Can I just be honest? If you were a man, you could be in a wheelchair and oxygen and still be hosting <laughs> the national news. Like, I'm not kidding. Unfortunately <laughs> – it's just another reality. Like I know. You can rail about it, but it's true. I know. A lot and of I women think... go to radio at that point because <laughs> they still have great things to say. Or podcasts. Just... <laughs> yeah. oh, no. Except it's we happened. are videotaping this. We are videotaping this for YouTube, so that works. But oh. but I think that's good, Cheryl. I think that part about like the aging inside, and I think that why why is it that if you're a certain age or aging, you have to somehow feel like you have to – look a certain way or dress a certain way or be like there's no rules like exactly. where did you get that from we could have pink them? hair at yeah, 80 go go for it like maybe as you age all the things that you thought you had to be and do when you were younger you can just do when you're older and I think another thing too is that the, we can give a gift to the people in our lives that are older than us and not buy into culture's narrative that they're useless because they're not mm -hmm. hip or cool or young or whatever. And, you know, I was on a committee recently where we did um, SWOT analysis. And so people could talk about the weakness of that committee. And a lot of the younger people wrote, there are too many old white men on this committee. And the, and the older white men on the committee read it like and was were really all of a sudden defending themselves about how they bring so much ex life experience and wisdom and I kept hearing them throughout oh. the weekend defend themselves right and it was the young people mm. who said that and I just was like you know I I talked to the uh, the head of it all and I said listen like this is a social justice organization and so that is justice for everyone that's treating giving everyone dignity it's good and I'm like, this is inappropriate for a leader of this organization to use that terminology, even if it's anonymous. Like, it, it wasn't cool. And I, you know, I felt really strongly about it. But 
like they shouldn't be in that position when they're volunteering their time on a committee to help make a difference in the world, mm. where they have to defend themselves just because they have white hair. Yeah. Like I said, if, if there was a point about diversity, they could have said it would be nice to have greater diversity in, in ethnicity or, or, or age or yeah. whatever. Like that would have been a nice thing to say. Yeah. But don't put down old white men. Yeah. Right. So I think that makes me think, how are we treating people who are older than us? And how are the people younger than you and I mm. treating people who are older than them? Because, you know, we had a little bit of that youthful, like we, we were the it. We were. Yeah. We were like, like young. We know everything. Yeah. We, we've got, especially on our show before, it was like we were the young voice. We had a different perspective than some of the older people. Yes. On the couch, and so right? treat people how you want to be treated when you get there. That's all I'm saying. Perfect. Be nice to the oldies. That's it. That's us. That's all you I'm need to say. I'm talking about us. Be yeah. nice to us. No, that's really good. And I think I think that's actually good for me to hear, Cheryl, because I think it just reminds me. Because there are moments, I mean, when I'm thinking and I think about it, yeah. I mean, you know, See Here Love is this women's show and reaching next generation. But I'm very aware that as I'm getting older, you know, you're thinking succession, but you also have the other side where, like, yeah, I'm all about championing, you know, the next generation. And there's a part of me where I'm like, what about me? <laughs> right? Absolutely. Me. Like I've, I've like, I've done some trailblazing and I've been doing some stuff and what's going to happen when I get older, you know? And so I think that we'll have another conversation in 15 years about this and see, because I think, I think it's an, it's a important one that women need to have. I think in media especially, but I think just in overall how we're going to do it well. And I think mm -hmm. those fears are, real and I think just looking forward to maybe we need to I even for me now I'm thinking maybe this week I need to sit and think about what am I going to look forward to in aging and maybe write a list so that it's not just like in my head but I actually have some things written down to say these are some good things oh send it to me when you're I done <laughs> I will and then you can like answer obviously back. my list needs to be a little longer yeah well but that's good I really like that um here we are, Christian media, following Jesus, and a lot of times people assume Christian media, it's like, woo, woo, look at us, we had everything together, we're shining, we're happy, and we're always like laughing and smiling on air, like look at us, right? <laughs> perfect lives, too, perfect don't forget um, about that, everything in our life is perfect. Perfect lives, so again, I mean, for anybody listening and watching, like, I hope by now you know, like, <laughs> we are not perfect, um, life is not always great and grand and everything. Um, but Cheryl, for you, I mean, as you follow Jesus, what would you say first has been the hardest part of following Jesus? Mm. Like, and how long would you say you've been following Jesus? Uh, I became a Christian when I was four. Okay. It was a big conversion from my crazy life yeah. previously. At three, Bad you must behavior. have been crazy. Oh, I was sad, the worst <laughs> behavior ever. But I mean... That being said, as a teenager, I definitely wandered quite a bit yeah. along the way, which I, in a weird way, kind of thankful for mm -hmm. in so in so many ways. I mean, when I came back to God, it was my choice, not my parents. So that was big. But I think, too, like I don't really judge people for their moral failures because I have no place to judge because I made lots of really bad decisions. Mm -hmm. And I was a Christian. It wasn't like this was before I knew God. I knew God and I made bad choices. Mm -hmm. So I think in a weird way, it's given me a lot of grace for people. So I'm super thankful for that. Um, good. So your question is, what's the hardest part mm -hmm. of it? The hardest part. I think, honestly, forgiveness, <laughs> I would say. Mm -hmm. Like, I have a pretty tender heart, which is on the good side, is sensitivity to people and caring about people. But also on the the bad, every, every one of your strengths has a dark side. Yeah. And the dark side of having a tender heart is getting hurt easily. Mm -hmm. So this business, media... 
yeah. uh, or public life in any way can be kind of nasty. Um, and there's lots of power plays and people with ambition and, mm-hmm. um, people have ideas about you, you know, that maybe you don't really like. Yeah. So lots of pain. And I remember in particular years ago, somebody was being really mean to me in my job and, um, thinking it through and thinking, okay, so I, I feel called to Christian leadership in Canada. If that's true, then I have to stop making excuses for myself and I have to actually do what the Bible says, which is love those who hate you, do good to those who despitefully use you, do good, like not even just love them, but you actually have to do good things to the people who are being really mean to you. Mm. And so I just remember going through this two year journey that whole time with this person was just being like terrible to me. Um, and praying for them and forgiving them over and over. And then, and then near the end of that time, I remember, you know, God really saying like, it's not enough just to decide to forgive them. You have to do good to them. You have to like serve them. Oh, these are hard character things, man. And so, yeah, I remember having to like, I did a number of different things to kind of bless and help that person in different ways who had no idea really of all the feelings I was struggling with underneath the surface because I was always kind. I was always nice no matter how I was feeling. I was determined to love them. Mm. And I remember there came a time where that person was let go and people were celebrating, like buying donuts. And like, so this person wasn't really that liked. And I remember feeling compassion. Mm. And I thought, wow, God, you've done a work in my heart. You know, I knew that that person leaving was good for the organization. Like I knew it was the right decision, but I felt... I felt compassion like about what that person was going through. And so I think what, and it's not the only time, like there's just been so many times where people do kind of betray you or nasty things, you know, Mm -hmm. where I've had to like really forgive. And it's been so hard because it's not just one day decision. Sometimes you forgive and you think you got it straight and then they do something to you again and it all comes, comes back. Right. And now you've got everything they they did in the past plus what they just did today and you go through it again. Right. So forgiveness really, I think is a journey Mm -hmm. that's been those, like, I just, I honestly think that God sometimes lets you go through those character times because when he puts you in positions of influence, if he, if, if he hasn't worked the rough spots off your character, you're going to destroy people around you, right? Mm-hmm. With the power that you have, either your word, your careless words or your unsympathetic heart or your pride or whatever it is, right? Yeah. You're not going to open doors. Like there's so many things that you learn through the character stuff. But I would say God's commitment to work on my character relentlessly <laughs> has been the hardest thing. And I always say to people, like, if you feel called to leadership and everybody wants, like, a platform or their 15 minutes of fame, if, if you're following God and you want leadership, it is about suffering because he's going to pound all those sharp edges out of you so that you don't misuse the power he gives you mm. or the influence. So, wow. yeah, that's been hard, like, way hard. That's really good. Joe. And it never ends. <laughs> Like it never ends. You think you've arrived and then you're like, oh, and here we go. Thing. Here we go again. And another thing. Yeah. So and God's good. so faithful to show you the, the weeds. I always say like your, your heart is like a garden that needs to be weeded all the time. Right. There's yeah. always weeds growing so up. So good. Oh, that's hard. All right. And then what has been the most life transforming part of following Jesus? Mm. I mean, the, the, the hard part, it's almost like the life transforming part as well. The character. The character. But what would you say? I, I went through a time in my 30s where um, in, in the church I was going to, there was like this unusual presence of God. And um, I remember at that time, I just had such a longing to like experience God's love. Yep. We grew up in the church. We hear it. We know that, you know, God sent his only son. He died for us. He loves us. 
but I wanted to like feel it. You know what I mean? And I know that you shouldn't have to feel it, but I wanted to experience it. And I think in that season of my life, God did answer that prayer. Um, and so I think the, the moments that I've really experienced his love as a dad for me, his kindness to me, his mm. grace to me, like I can be really hard on myself as a lot of driven people are. Uh, and so I think those encounters I've had with him where I've really experienced the love of God for me that has been more gracious and more kind than I ever thought. And the other thing I would say is like, I have conversations with God. Like I, he speaks to me at the oddest times and you, and a lot of, sometimes he's laughing at me, like, mm -hmm. yeah, but it's lovely. Like, it's not, it's not like a, you're that mean person that bullied you in school. It's like your closest friend who knows and loves you so well and is like, we're laughing together yeah. about qualities about me. I'd say that for me is like just so romantic and beautiful and wins my heart all over again. Mm -hmm. Like, you know me, you love me. And yes, I'm hilarious, but you made me this way. It's awesome. That's really good. I love that. I think that too. I think that a lot of people struggle. Like I always get the question too, when I speak, people are like, how do you know it's God speaking? He doesn't speak to me. I'm like, he's mm -hmm. speaking all the time. He'll speak to me when I'm writing my journal and it sounds like me. And then I'm writing really affirming things about myself and it's him. I hear him. And it sounds like my own voice. It's not like a Morgan Freeman voice all the time. But I mean, I, it's like my voice and it's affirming and funny and I get, you know, and I hear it and it's like, that's totally God in me and working and speaking. Mm -hmm. And I love that. I think it's just, we need to be more attuned. I think more people are thinking it's going to be something really big and drastic. Yeah. That's how he's going to speak or writing on the wall or whatever. We could do a whole podcast on this, and we, honestly. We should, but, but I, but I like, think sometimes too, a voice that you didn't initiate, like a, a thought that pops into your head that yeah, you didn't initiate. It just came like, whoa. And it could be like, pray for that person, do this. Don't do that. Write this. And that's, you know, and I say this like a lot of times, like Kelly, my coordinator for See Your Love, she'll, um, and, you know, back to the, the show, I'll be literally sitting at home and all of a sudden I get this crazy idea. It just pops into my head. And all of a sudden I'll like be writing an email, writing out a plan, writing out the conference, doing the plan for the next season. And then I give it to Kelly and she, she now laughs. She goes, was that like a God download because you sent it to me at like 7 p.m. and now you literally have the entire next season planned? I'm like, yep. And she goes, I don't know how this happens. I'm like, it honestly comes like I'll just be sitting, I'll just be thinking, I'll be praying. And it literally comes to me. So wow. the past couple seasons, I've planned out my seasons completely based on, I'm not, I know it sounds for some people crazy, but it's so real and it's not crazy to me. But it's like God will be like, you know, one season was like, okay, a book, and it just came to me. Or the conference, it came to me. Or have somebody take over your hosting chair. I'm not even kidding. Like, weird things pop in my head. And I'm like, I love that idea. That's so cool. And I honestly believe it's God. Because then the people that are impacted or connect will say, this is what I needed. Mm -hmm. This is what I have been praying for. This is what is great. This has been impacting me. Like, the book. That really, you know, these stories are really, like, so it's like God is working and he could be answering the prayer of somebody 5,000, you know, people away from you, but he used you to just do that. Mm. That's what I love about him. That's the cool part of him. It's like, there's nothing too small. He can reach anybody in any way and he'll do it as long as we're available, obedient. And you have to act ready. on those promptings. And I think totally. what's crazy about what I find is like, sometimes it's just the slightest thought 
feeling prompting something like that it doesn't really seem that dramatic or big and you don't even really know it's god but sometimes when you follow through on it it's like nuclear power yeah totally like if i had known when he told me that it was for sure him and that i was you know what i mean but i yeah i've just had that so many times where i've just acted on it and thought well what do i have to lose and I've gone and done it, and then it's had, like, the biggest impact on someone's yeah. life. And you're like, whoa. But that's how he works, and that's the whole point of it. I think he's like, this is the point. Takes faith. Yeah, faith, and then just do it. And so rather than you are, like, he goes, I wonder if God's so annoyed when, he, when people are like, what do we do? Lord, show us. Help us. Every day, what do we do? And he's like, every day there are opportunities that I'm showing you, I'm speaking to you, they come up, things happening all the time. And how are you going to respond out of love and forgiveness and peace and hope and faith? And this is where the whole thing about, you know, us as followers of Jesus needs to start, like, I think, like a, a reshifting on how we, how we relate to God in that kind of thing, a way, mm -hmm. right, in relationship. Because I think people think it's this way, and he's like, it's organic, it's relational, I speak. Sometimes I don't. Then you go out and trust, and then I speak, and then maybe I don't, or, you know, it, that's what I mean. Yeah, it's not a straight line for no. sure. But I think if you don't have an expectation that God will ever speak to you and you never give it any credibility, mm -hmm. then you're never going to learn. Right. Right? Like yeah. you gotta, you got to try, even if you're just writing it in your journal. Like I used to write, and I still do, like sometimes when I think God's telling me something, I'll just write it in my journal. And I remember like writing it really small one time because I was like, yeah. this sounds crazy. I don't know if this is God at all, but I'm just going to write it down. And then two years later, that thing happened. Like what he told me, I didn't know how it would look. But when I saw it, I was like, this sounds a lot like something I wrote in my journal two years ago. And then I went home and I was like looking. It was an opportunity. And, I, and then when I found it, I was like, okay, I can say yes to this because he told me two years ago. Wow. But I, at the time, I wrote it like like two sentences per line like with pencil because I just thought, I'm going crazy. <laughs> right? Like I don't know if this is God. Yeah. But it totally was. And so sometimes I just write it down. Nobody sees my journal. And then if it does happen, it's God. And if, it, and if you're wrong and it doesn't happen, no foul. Right. Right? I'm not moving across the world because of it. Yeah. That's good. So, All right. We have one more question. This is oh. the longest podcast I've ever done. This is the last one. Oh, no. Sorry. We've come out of the pandemic. Many of us are feeling overwhelmed, exhausted. And yes, by the pandem pandemic, but also feeling lost and disoriented and sad. And there's so many things. We don't even have time to go into all the sadness from friends deconstructing their faith, fear of the recession, sexual and emotional abuse in the church. Cheryl, how do you... <laughs> wow. This okay, is we, like, we're this starting is like a, a whole really other podcast. Like, how do you stay healthy and hopeful in a time like this? I mean, I just kind of like an end, but mm. there's a lot. And there are so many people hurting and just cannot, like... What would you say to them? What, how do you stay healthy and hopeful? And then what would you say to them to encourage them? Yeah, I think um, first thing is like, what are you listening to and who are you surrounding yourself with? So, you know, for me during the pandemic in particular, because I'm in broadcasting, I'd be on the news every day, the war in Ukraine every day. But there comes a point where my, where my perspective started taking a dive down and I started realizing, okay, I'm putting all of this negative, fearful news into me and I'm not, and I'm not putting like God's word. And I, this sounds so basic. It's so funny how the things that you and I grew up with in the church, you know, who sometimes we're like rolling our eyes, read your Bible, whatever, mm -hmm. like are actually true. 
and they actually mm-hmm. make a difference. So for me, when I started diving, anytime I started diving and because like every day I had to be on the show bringing hope. So I like, I can't give what I don't have. I have to get it for me in order to give it out to Canada. Right. right? So it was like this whole other layer of responsibility. Like I had to really be on top of it. So when I found myself going downward, um, one of the things I often do is I say to God, um, show me your perspective. Let me sit with you Mm. and see how you see things. I mean, the Bible says that he's seated in heavenly places, right? That we can be seated with him. I mean, he has this like view of the whole galaxy. Like think about it. He, and he has the big picture because when he looks at the world, he sees the past and the future, right? Cause he's Mm -hmm. not held by time. So he knows where this is all headed. Um, he knows the end of your life and your story. He knows the bigger story that he's telling through all of this, that he's doing in you and through you and then much beyond you. And so I find that that's super helpful is sh- trying to really listen. Worship music is huge for me, mm-hmm. like huge, huge, huge. I mean, I just, I find when I'm listening to something else and I'm not in a good place spiritually, if I put on worship music, it starts bringing me back to center. When you remember who he is and who you're not, mm-hmm. think of John Tesh when I interviewed him. He said, I, I, um, I stopped talking to God about my cancer. I started talking to cancer about my God. Yeah, it's amazing. I never forgot that because there is something about when, when, you're, when you're listening to worship music and it's talking about how great God is and, and how like he's your Lord, he's in charge of everything. Like You start saying that with your mouth. You start worshiping him. It actually has power to remind you that there's somebody bigger than you that's in charge of it all, who is loving and kind. So that's huge. Um, yeah. And I just think, you know, God is the most positive person I know. I would say like, <laughs> Love that. he's never, Love it. you know, when I yeah. spend time with him, he's never like, Oh, hi, <laughs> you know, the world's a mess. Mm-hmm. This is so, I mean, he just, he has a perspective on things. And, and if I can get myself into a place where I can hear from him in those hard times when I see everything around me being shaken, um, it's like my perspective flips. And you can be in the exact same situation. Nothing changes around you. But if your perspective shifts, you experience it differently. Mm. So, you know, I was thinking today that I, I was thinking about gratitude today and how I would like to be more grateful about some things that I have a negative person in my life that has been kind of like pointing out everything I don't have. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I'm not with that person, I started realizing, wait a minute, I haven't been spending time thinking about everything I do have. Mm. And it's and nothing's changed with my situation, but all of a sudden now I'm grateful. I'm like, you know what? I live in the first world. That's a big blessing. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I'm employed. That's a big blessing. Like there's mm-hmm. so many things. Yeah to be thankful for. I've gone through four surgeries in three years. I'm still here. Yeah. You went through the ICU. You're still here. Like, so I do think that spending time with God for me many times gives me that perspective shift that I need. And then I see everything differently and I can find my joy again. And he's hopeful. He's always hopeful. He's always moving towards something. Like he's always telling me like good things are coming or I don't know. Yeah, just find him incredibly positive. That's so good. And, you know, I love that because it's very practical. Like, I think the worship music is one thing. I think the gratitude part, like, listen, gratitude journals, gratitude, speaking them out loud. I do that, too. When I'm, like, down, it's like I'm living and I'm alive. I made it through the ICU. I have food. I have shelter. Like, I literally just basics. And because I know a lot of people don't. So true. It's like all of that and so when you start speaking it out all of a sudden you're like driving you're like oh my goodness wow wait like that I'm good and I think it's a change of perspective I think Mm -hmm. and I think there's also sure what you're saying this intentionality like guys 
and gals, you got to choose. Like you can't just live life without making choices or being intentional about changing things. Like all the interviews we've had, every single person who's been in an interview, it's been a choice to follow, to obey, to be faithful, to forgive, choice to have the hard conversation, to communicate better. Like you have to do some things here in life, mm-hmm. right, to make these changes. It's true. As you trust God, and he will give you strength and his presence, but you got to do the work. Yeah. So I love what you're saying. I think that's amazing. And Cheryl, what an amazing conversation. Like I said, longest podcast in the history of see here love <laughs> sorry. Woo! sorry no i love it i love it i love it so i want to finish off with just a prayer and blessing for you it's actually from saint bride's church website but it's actually i've been reading it a lot attributed to saint francis de sales or salis hmm. um and it's actually the journalist prayer so i put i inserted your name so it's not like a traditional evangelical prayer it's a you know but i love it i i hope you it's short but i i want to just bless you with this as we end thank you so Almighty God, strengthen and direct, we pray, the will of Cheryl, whose work it is to write what many read and to speak where many listen. And may Cheryl be bold in confronting evil and injustice and compassionate in her understanding of human weakness, rejecting alike the half-truth that deceives and the slanted word that corrupts. And may the power that is Cheryl's, for good or ill, always be used with honesty and courage, with respect and integrity, so that when all here has been written, said, and done, she, Cheryl, may unashamed meet thee face to face through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Mm, that's beautiful. I will send that to you. But I was looking this over and I was like, I, this is for you, just this blessing of mm. this incredible opportunity and gift that you hold as a host, as a journalist, as a speaker, as an influencer um, in the work that you do with missions and with people. And I think that I was thinking as I was writing this, I'll be honest, that I felt that I need to pray for you more. I really did. I felt that with that kind of responsibility and influence and care and bringing voice to things that are evil and heartbreaking in the world that break God's heart, you need prayer and support. So Mm -hmm. I've really, as I was doing this show, I was like, I need to commit to praying for you more and like just really championing you more in what you do so thrilled that you were here with us on the see her love melinda and her <laughs> colleagues so creative series and her powerhouse colleagues powerhouse colleagues that's right <laughs> send us words that that like right like new it, titles branding come yeah. on let's do it <laughs> but really appreciate you being with me it was a wonderful conversation show like honestly we could have gone more i took out like one or two questions and we still were long but thank you so much for being with us, um, for being with me, and just sharing your life and your thoughts. It was really rich. It was really great. Thank you for having me on. It's been so fun. You and I can talk. I know. (laughs) You and I can talk. So until next time, thank you, listeners and viewers, for being with me. And in all that we shared, I hope you know that in the struggle, as you age, as you have some conversations with Jesus, as you, I mean, there's so many things that we talked about as you look and are looking for girlfriends and community, as you're exhausted and sad out of the pandemic, know this, like I always say, you are seen, you are heard, and you are deeply loved by God. Thanks for joining us. 
Thank you for listening to See, Here Love, the podcast with Melinda Estabrooks. Stay connected with our daily posts and stories on Instagram or Facebook at See, Here Love, or join our newsletter at www.seeherelove.com.